Yo, what's up, everybody? So I have spent a lot of time this week reading and thinking about AI, especially about the implications that I think it will have for writers and so-called creator economy. So obviously, things are going to change in some way if it becomes nearly free to generate even decently intelligent content with machines. But how things will change exactly and how should writers spend their time right now to position themselves for these changes? That's a very open question. I don't think many people have a very convincing case for that kind of question. I, I, I don't hear many intelligent people really reflecting on this. So it's something that I've been quite fascinated by, and it's something I want to try to speak to today. I think the implications are not at all obvious. So I would like to speak about a few things that I think are under-discussed. Specifically, I believe that AI does not in any way threaten classical human knowledge and human creativity. I think it's actually going to increase the economic power or the income commanded by people who have genuine, deep classical educations and also truly unique kind of artistic personalities. Because AI is going to essentially commoditize generic content creation. So if you notice all the people that are super pumped on what AI is doing right now, you know, of course, what I'm talking about, the open AI, the chat GPT and all of that. These people are just easily impressed. No offense to them, but it's like, you know, it is impressive. I'm certainly no naysayer. Like the technology is amazing and uh, speeding up in its development without a doubt. It's exciting. But you see a lot of tweets and a lot of blog posts and people talking about this as if it's like these machines are already as good as, you know, a college professor or something like that. And it's like, I think a lot of these people are just not very exposed to excellent thinking and excellent writing. If you read really good books, like from the past and you read classical knowledge, if you have any kind of classical education, you quickly discover that these tools are nowhere near being able to replace or even threaten genuine human knowledge. I've actually used these tools to try. I've tested it. I've tried to see, you know, can ChatGPT really be useful in helping to write, you know, an original essay or something like that at a, you know, at an at a serious level. And the answer is just no. It's not even able to retrieve fairly well-known facts about, you know, the biographies of particular individuals, for instance. And so, yeah, the more I use these tools, the more I realize that actually the genuine deep knowledge that you have inside of your head from years of learning is going to remain highly valuable for a while. But I would even go further in saying that these tools are going to make that knowledge even more valuable because it's going to automate all of the legwork that is required to get those sophisticated ideas out into the world at scale. All right. So um, I want to explain what I mean when I say that AI is going to commoditize this sort of generic content creation that, um, you know, a lot of, frankly, Philistine individuals out there nowadays are like, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah. For those people, AI is going to generate a deluge of content that I guess will keep them will keep them amused for a while. Uh, but for anyone you know who's more academic, more focused on original thinking and creating uh, whatever your domain might be, I think these tools are actually a really good thing for you, and they're not going to threaten you at all anytime soon. And and quite the contrary, I'm going to argue in this video that 
or this podcast, however you're listening to it, I'm going to argue that actually you should be really excited about the ways in which unique and hard-earned human knowledge is suddenly going to be kind of empowered to an extraordinary degree. All right, so that's what we're going to try to explore. And there are a few other ideas I want to share or think about or reflect on as, as we go. So one important implication is that small solo creators are going to become omni-channel creators, probably. Uh, sometime in the next few years, you'll see this more and more because convertibility of formats and, and media is going to become cheaper, faster, and higher quality. You're already seeing this, of course. It's, it's one of the most undeniable facts of what actually works with these tools already. Being able to take a video and turn it into uh, text or being able to take dictated audio, you know, a, a voice note that you leave on your phone and turn that into almost a perfect transcript. This stuff is getting better without a doubt already. And, and this is actually one of the domains where these tools are, in my opinion, most immediately impressive already and in a way that really matters for creators. So creators might need to modify their initial formats production process if they want to put these into kind of AI processing chains, let's call it, or production chains in order to make it maximally convertible. And I think here there's a risk also. I mean, it's this is basically what Heidegger has in mind when he's talking about how modern technology sort of, you know, challenges us or forces us in a way to pre-process or pre-format our thinking and our speech in a way to make it maximally exploitable to such that machines and systems can extract and store it. Okay. He talks about this being one of the insidious and kind of imperceptible effects of, of modern technology as such. And I think this is a really good contemporary example of that Heideggerian observation. Because what you're probably going to see is creators will learn that if they create their content in a certain way using certain idiom, let's say, they will probably be able to convert it to other formats more readily and more quickly and more perfectly. Right. If you use, you know, a very idiosyncratic language, perhaps that's easier to turn into immediate, you know, uh, translations in, in other content formats for other channels. Right. So this is going to create an incentive to actually think and speak and create in your original way, in a way that is going to be maximally exploitable by AI systems that you can build out from there. It's going to pay to do that. So in the short term, you might see people kind of aping into weird styles. And you see this already with YouTube, right? I mean, already YouTube is a kind of uh, simple or loosely organized early AI hive mind system, right? Because if you see all the top YouTube creators, you know, they, they use certain manners of speech, right? They say certain slogans and phrases at the beginning of their video, in the middle, at the end, in order to optimize for watch time and to get more subscribers. So already you see this kind of aping of style into a way that pleases algorithmic optimization. I think you might see this even more so as the the value of these AI systems becomes even greater, the temptation to pre-format your thought along the lines that these machines want is going to increase even more. So I think for those of us out there who are really committed to maintaining an original human perspective on the world uh, that is socially non-conditioned or algorithmically non-conditioned, 
to the, to the fullest degree possible. Perhaps it's never completely possible. Nonetheless, this type of person is going to want to beware of this, uh, which is probably going to become a, a problem. That's, that's one observation. Another observation is that some formats are more easily convertible than others, which means that some creators in the short term might be more advantaged by AI than, than others. So text and audio, for instance, are easily spun off with a very high fidelity from, you know, a video, let's say, but it's far, we're very far from being able to convert audio podcasts to watchable videos, for instance. So you see that not all content types are created equal in the gains that are going to be had by creators and using these AI tools to proliferate their content. Dictation, by the way, is in my experience so far, the fastest and least draining way to write first drafts of almost anything. Now that dictation is pretty much perfect. It, it's in my opinion, the most impressive specific advance of, of recent of the past year, let's say I've been using in particular, the scribe app, uh, by Vienna. These are, these are some friends of ours who are kind of, uh, you know, in adjacent to my community, let's say. And they have this new app that basically will let you record a voice note and it will instantly give you the most perfect transcript that I've yet to see for this kind of tool. And I've been using these tools for the past several years, even when they weren't that good, they, it was pretty useful to be able to do this. Now it's kind of like, I'm increasingly feeling like I want to dictate as much as possible, at least for the first draft. Then of course you always want to edit it, but the, the transcription is, is almost perfect. So that's, that's one really impressive and concrete thing for creators. But also another idea I've been having is that AI for the learning part of the pipeline is just not very good and not very impressive. That's, that's not, that seems to be clearly the worst aspect of AI for creators is you're not going to be able to learn like original things at all. And it's, and you're not even really going to be able to recall or, or retrieve or call up facts and figures very well because when you ever, whenever you try to do this with the ai right now it gets really close it is impressive how close it can get on certain questions but there's a fairly high risk that they're just giving you false information sometimes it makes mistakes like if you ask for dates or specific things um there's there's a fairly good probability that it's going to make a mistake of some kind which means you have to go back to the sources anyway and at which point you might as well just be working from the sources. There's not really much value add from the AI at, at this stage on that, on that. Okay. And this is one of the reasons you can start to see why people who have put five years, 10 years, 15 years into reading real books and developing an original perspective and writing, those types of people are going to remain very, very powerful in the, the kind of internet, you know, creative economy, because AI is just nowhere near even threatening that kind of unique, hard-earned human knowledge. So let's talk now about what I think are the most future-proof elements of the human writer or the human creator. And that is, in my opinion, basically their brand, which is, you can really think of it as the accumulated human perception of a creator's unique cognitive, aesthetic, ethical, and sociological character and their placement in society, their meaning or value. And these are very diffuse terms. That's a very diffuse definition, but that makes sense because what brands really are 
are this, they're like this kind of informal, unconscious human indexing of a whole bunch of different things. And so brand is very, very real. In fact, brand is often that's seen as like a kind of vulgar commercial kind of term. And perhaps it is, but it's very real. And the reason that it's so important in, you know, business and commerce is because it is real, because it, it, it really does mean something and it has a, a real effect on people's behavior and what they want, you know, what they want to buy, what they want to do. And so brand is really like this um, way in which in the human mind for all the people who see what you're doing and see what you're thinking and writing, they are, you know, in their minds and summarizing and condensing and trying to place you, right? They're trying to understand what is this person all about? What do they represent? And so that brand, the, the sum total of what you represent in other human minds, that actually is going to become more and more valuable. So if you have a clear and compelling brand, just because you are an original person, maybe you're well-educated, you have a lot of knowledge, or you just share what you think in a very creative, interesting, inspiring way that resonates with a certain type of person or what have you, all of these diffuse aspects of, of what it means to have a brand as, as a thinker, as a writer, as a creator, all of that, having that is going to become more and more valuable. It's going to command more and more money to have that because all of the other aspects of content creation, all the rote work, all the legwork, all of that stuff is going to get offloaded to AIs. And so, yeah, what I think what's really going to distinguish creators is whatever they really ultimately represent. And so the implication here is very counterintuitive. It's not what a lot of people are talking about or thinking about right now. You know, right now, people looking at AI and thinking about the creator economy, they're like, oh, I got to learn how to code. I got to learn how to make these AI machines. No, that's a, that's a stupid, um, you know, intuitive, but stupid way to think about this because there are probably software engineers out there that are much smarter than you. If you haven't been doing that for a long time, you're probably not going to catch up. And frankly, on, on some level, being able to create code is itself going to be commoditized. You're already seeing that with the AI tools. So I would not spend any time trying to suddenly become some kind of um, software engineer to get in on, on AI or something like that. I think that's a waste of time, even playing with these tools. And you're seeing a proliferation of tools. There's now, you know, dozens and dozens of front end, you know, interfaces being built on top of this underlying AI technology, mostly the open AI API. Even tinkering around with those tools is, is going to be a lot of wasted time because most of them aren't going to survive. And what I would have you think about is how can you hone what it is you really think and what you really know? That's being able to focus on that and develop that and improve that quietly and patiently is going to actually counterintuitively have the greatest economic impact. That's going to have, that's going to create the most value for you as AI gets better and better and more ubiquitous. There's no point in playing with all these tools right now because in three years, it's going to all be baked into every application. You're already seeing this right now with like word processor applications right now. Almost all of them already have some kind of open AI integration. And so that's going to be commoditized. It's just going to be table stakes for any computer program in the future. And it's going to get cheaper and cheaper and it's going to be more and more ubiquitous. So what you really want to do is that when that happens, you want to make sure that at that time you actually have something to say. That's going to be the hard part. All these people who are playing around with AI tools and so excited by all of these silly little outputs they can get from the open AI chat box, 
these people are wasting, that's wasting time. These people are um, getting sidetracked on a trendy thing. So if you can actually spend this time right now and focus and be patient and really think about what it is you represent, what are your most important original ideas and perspective, you know, what um, more knowledge can you gain? How much more deeply can you understand some topic of great importance? That's ironically going to be the most valuable thing that you can do with AI as it becomes ubiquitous. All right. So I think this is really good for people who have a more, you know, a kind of deeper reading practice and more a deeper writing practice. People who are really, you know, slowly and patiently committed to a long-term intellectual life because all of the other people who right now, maybe they have like 100,000 followers on Twitter or what have you. There's a lot of people out there who, you know, have been able to build massive audiences for a kind of pseudo-intellectual content brand. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. Like I have a lot of respect for people who build those types of really impressive, successful operations. But the actual content, if you look at it, it's, it's rarely original or rarely particularly, you know, creative or interesting. And so I think what's going to happen really with AI is that really original thinkers who right now are spending all their time, you know, thinking and they, they don't really have the ability to, to do all of the legwork of like building a massive content operation are going to gradually over time, find it easier to build a massive content operation because all of the legwork is going to get commoditized. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what I'm what I'm driving at here. And I think that that's really exciting. This is very good for the human, for the human intellect. It's not a threat to the human intellect. So in summary, I think that creators and writers should be focusing on really solidifying uh, their signal. And as I alluded to before, there's really two elements to that signal or, or brand. Your unique signal is basically your crystallized knowledge, which I've talked about a bit, but also it's your style, right? It's your aesthetics. It's what you find interesting, what you love what makes you feel something, you need to be honing in on that. Because if you can really get a coherent sense of what it is you love, why you love it, what's good in the world, what's beautiful in the world, what you think is ugly in the world or bad in the world, this sensibility you have, which is uniquely yours, you want to really own that and understand that and become, you know, cultivated with that. Um, because that's going to be the, what is uniquely amplified and irreplaceable. All right. So unique knowledge that you've built and earned over time and your unique style that you've honed and cultivated. Those are ironically what I think people should be doubling down on right now, given the explosion of AI and its, its rapid improvement in, in the past year. AI is not going to encroach on your style, your unique human style or your unique human knowledge, maybe one day, but certainly not anytime soon. So that's what matters. And I would say that notice, I want you to notice that much of the value add of the original human intellect comes really at the very beginning of, of the, the content creation work chain in the sense of what are you choosing to put in your mind? You know, what are you reading? What books do you consider worth reading? What, can, what pieces of content do you consider not worth paying attention to? And this very simple and subtle choice turns out to be, I think, really, really important in the long run. Because if you're spending all of your time watching Netflix and getting all of your information from these like consumer-facing media algorithms, then you're probably in five years, in 10 years, 
your brain, your content, your unique brand or perspective on the world is not going to be any different than anyone else's. And so, yeah, you're going to have the ability to create millions of pieces of content, but you're not going to have anything interesting or original to say because you've allowed yourself to be formatted by these algorithms. And so ironically, to I think like the most important thing you can do right now to be a truly successful long-term thinker, writer, creator, whatever you want to call it, is to ironically kind of drop out of the algorithms as much as possible, fill your mind with really true, deep, everlasting knowledge, mostly from paper books that other people are not paying attention to. And if you just do that for the next five to 10 years, nonstop, I think like when these tools become really, really worked out and polished and ubiquitous baked into all of our computer applications, you're going to rise to the top. Whereas all the other people who are just fiddling with these tools and watching algorithmic media, they're not going to really be able to leverage these tools in interesting ways. So that's my contention. I think that this is a pretty counterintuitive perspective because a lot of people right now are just kind of aping into playing with these tools in a, in a superficial way, or people feel like, you know, they are going to be replaced by AI or whatever. I think a lot of these narratives really just miss the point uh, about what's really important here. And I might also throw on here the point that this is why I'm so interested in things like Urbit, because I think really novel networked computing paradigms that allow us to exit algorithmic controls are going to be really, really important. There's going to be a lot of alpha to being on those networks and inhabiting those networks. You know, I think that Urbit is probably, as far as I'm concerned right now, it's the best chance we have to save human minds from the internet without giving up the power of, of digital technology, without giving up the power of networked computing. And so any radical technology projects that, that allow humans to think and create and interact at scale using the full power of digital tools, but without being captured by algorithms and kind of sinister commercial economic forces, to me, is worth a lot of attention. And we should be investing in that and playing with that and as much as possible trying to set ourselves up in these kinds of more humane, autonomous and sovereign networking paradigms, let's say. All right. Thank you, everybody. If you have thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You can leave a reply to this or you can leave a reply inside the community. I'll put links in the show notes to, to find out where you can go from here. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Over and out.